Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, October 26th, and this is your FT News Briefing. EU countries are worried about reaching for coronavirus recovery fund loans, and a vaccine considered a frontrunner showed some promising results recently. Plus, getting goods in and out of the UK will be no minor task once the Brexit transition period ends. We'll take a look at the future of the borders. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. It's beginning to feel like it did in the spring, when the pandemic first started. Cases are surging across the United States and Europe, and Italy and Spain, the country's hardest hit by the first wave, are now introducing some of the harshest measures since lockdowns ended in May. In Italy, bars and restaurants will have to close by 6 p.m. Spain's putting into place a nationwide overnight curfew, similar to what we've seen lately in some French cities. Meanwhile, EU countries are also being cautious when it comes to the economic recovery side of things. Namely, they're worried about getting themselves too far into debt. Remember in July, the European Union reached a deal on a 750 billion euro plan to help countries hardest hit by the pandemic. A little more than half of the plan, 390 euros, was composed of grants, money these countries would not have to pay back. And countries have no problem going for the grants. The rest of the plan is our loans, and countries including Spain and Portugal have sent mixed messages about whether they'll go for this option. The FT's recent calculations show that savings might not prove decisive for some countries, and member states are worried about keeping their debt-to-GDP ratio as low as possible. And richer northern member states, they already enjoy ultra-low borrowing costs, so diplomats say they're probably going to avoid the loans altogether. But while the virus spreads around the Western world, there's been some promising news on the vaccine development side. The vaccine the University of Oxford has been working on with AstraZeneca is considered the frontrunner. And two sources told the FT that it recently produced a strong immune response in elderly people. Now, older people have, of course, been one of the most vulnerable populations during the pandemic. And the vaccine in development triggers protective antibodies and T-cells in elderly groups. Bottom line? Researchers say it could prevent older people with the virus from getting seriously ill or prevent them from dying. Of course, there's a caveat. These early findings don't necessarily mean that the vaccine will prove safe and effective in older people, and we won't know until the full trial data for this age group has been analyzed. Details of the most recent findings will be published shortly in a clinical journal. The University of Oxford declined to comment. And now, a look at Brexit. The 23rd of June, 2016. The British people have voted to leave. The Article 50 process is now of the EU without a deal. To suspend Parliament. break international law. We're going to get Brexit done. The deadline for a Brexit trade deal looms at the end of December. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has told business leaders that time is running out to prepare. But there is considerable anxiety over what will happen on January 1 notably around what will happen at the borders. Will delays due to increased red tape lead to food shortages, or will slowdowns damage just-in-time business models? David Bond is joined by Peter Foster, FT Public Policy Editor, and Judith Evans, Consumer Industries Correspondent, to discuss this. So, Peter, if I can turn to you first, what kind of extra paperwork are businesses facing in January? 
Well, significant is a short answer to that. In order to send goods from the UK into the EU, you're going to need a safety and security declaration. And then depending on the deal, you're going to need a customs form and that will determine whether or not your goods are sufficiently made in the UK or use a sufficient amount of UK and EU parts to qualify for zero tariff access. If they do, you'll get zero tariff. If not, you're going to have to pay a tariff and duty. Uh, You're going to have to sort out VAT with whichever country you're sending the goods to, and different EU countries have different VAT regimes. And then if you're doing a product of plant or animal origin, you're going to need an export health certificate, so a wet stamped certificate from a vet saying that your goods comply with EU phytosanitary rules. And then there's a host of other little bits and pieces that you'll need, depending on whether your product falls into different categories. It's absolutely bewildering stuff, isn't it? I mean, how many extra documents, how much more paperwork? Have you done a tot up of the number of extra documents businesses will have to actually fill in? Well, I haven't, but there is an estimate, an HMRC estimate, which is an extra 260 million declarations per year, probably £15 billion worth. You know, it's one of the bitter ironies, I think, of Brexit that we spent 30 years moaning about Brussels red tape. And one of the impacts of this very basic free trade agreement that they've decided to negotiate, this Canada-style deal, is, of course, that it trusses us up in acres of red tape. And inevitably more delays as these new systems take effect. Indeed. I mean, I think, you know, the hope is that after a while, after, you know, enough trucks have been stuck in traffic jams and enough have been turned away at the borders, business will get the hang of it. One of the troubles with that is, you know, you just have a capacity constraint on the number of experts who actually know how to do this stuff. So are there enough people to help business get the hang of it, I think, is the big question. And and it's not clear how long that's going to take. But, you know, the, the bottom line is about four million trucks a year come through the corridor. And at the moment, they come through completely frictionless. And one of the traders was saying to me this week, you know, even if you add a minute to each truck, that's still, when you multiply it out, a massive addition to the times. And I think that's why the government's been so clear that there probably will be disruptions. And over time, maybe some sorts of trade will actually stop. But it's going to be a period of serious adjustment, I think. Of course, this is all the doomsters, as Boris Johnson would put it, view of Brexit. And of course, business has been coming under a bit of pressure to focus on the opportunities from Brexit. And this has really upset businesses, hasn't it? What really frustrates businesses, David, is that the government actually gets frustrated that the businesses are not doing more. But businesses are saying, look, number one, we actually don't know what this deal is going to be. Will it be zero tariff or won't it be zero tariff? Number two, you still haven't given us the computer systems, the good vehicle movement system, which will allow you to pre-declare goods. We haven't even seen that. So how do we prepare for something that we haven't actually seen? But also, we're all fighting COVID. We're not sure if we're going to survive till Christmas. This is about ordinary people, often of medium skills, small hauliers. 85% of the hauliers are, you know, mom and pop shops. They've got a few trucks. They don't have time and expertise to go through the border operating model. And so Michael Gove saying rather complacently that we've done this and done that and everything's tickety-boo, it does. It gets up their noses for sure. Judith, if I can just turn to you, obviously lots of industries, lots of sectors will be affected from the end of the year when the transition period ends. But food and farmers, supermarkets, they are clearly going to be one of the areas most heavily affected. What are you hearing from them when they talk to you about the end of the transition? 
Well, there's a lot of concern. Some of the issues that Peter's just described are obviously specific to food. And then there's the issue that there is no system in place to prioritise perishable products at the border. So they may well get caught up in queues of other stuff, which is less time dependent. So there's then a, a risk of wastage. There are big concerns around exports, about products being caught up, but then potentially exporters deciding it's not worthwhile to send them. And exports are pretty crucial to some of our UK food industries. Lamb is one. We send a reasonable amount of fruit and veg overseas, also pork. And if then some of the products that would normally be exported can't be, that is quite likely to then come back into the domestic market, affecting farm gate prices and and doing potentially quite a bit of damage to producers and farmers along the way. And how worried should consumers be that, you know, sort of the first week of January 2021, you know, that there will be shortages of food, that delays will mean that, you know, supermarket shelves are empty? So I think there is some concern when it comes to incoming products. The UK is sort of phasing in all of its checks over a period of six months. And it's also decided to sort of unilaterally recognise EU organic standards for a year after our transition ends to smooth the path of products coming into the UK. Nonetheless, they may well still be caught up in the general mayhem. The main concern, though, is around exports, and and we may actually end up with surplus there. I mean, it could be that there's a sort of patriotic campaign to eat up British lamb and, and, you know, help our farmers. So I think the food mix could potentially quite drastically change, and there may be shortages of certain seasonal products. Peter Foster and Judith Evans, thanks very much indeed. Thanks, David. Thank you. And before we go, the number of airline passengers is down from last year, with the threat of an airborne virus in small sealed spaces looming. One way to get around that? Own a private jet. Private jet company FlexJet said business this autumn was up about 85% compared to last year. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.